your Bible today to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to read the last verse, verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Father, we thank you today for touching your people today. Lord, I thank you for your word that, that cuts through every bit of unbelief, Lord, that teaches us, that shows us the way. And Lord, we value your word and we, we honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, aren't you glad that you're, the Bible says you're beloved? What does that mean? I, I'm, I'm loved of the Father. Therefore, my beloved brethren, and of course that includes sister too, if you're a brother or a sister, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's why we talk about tithing. That's why we talk about serving. Because everything on this earth is going to pass away. Everything on this earth eventually is going to melt with fervent heat. But everything that we do for the kingdom of God will never lose, you'll never lose your reward. Here's what's amazing. If you help somebody do something, it goes to your credit as well. I mean, that's, that's shouting ground for me. Just like, like our pastor, when we, we sow into his ministry, then I, I get credit for those 30 million souls as well. I, you know, I get credit for what he does. I may not be able to go to India. I may not be, be not able to go to, to other countries. But when I sow, it's just like I went. And God, God gives that to my credit. <laughs> that is exciting news for me. Amen. So either you can go or you can help somebody go. But he says that, that whatever we do for the Lord is going to last. It's not in vain in the Lord. You know, the Bible says that even if you give a cup of cold water, even in the name of a disciple, I mean, in Jesus' name is great, but even in the name of a disciple, he said, you shall not lose your reward. Hallelujah. So, you know, I believe that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, a lot of people might, they might march up there and say, okay, Lord, I'm here to get this, but you might see a white-haired granny come up, and, and, and no one knows, but, you know, she was a faithful prayer. She, she stood in the gap as an intercessor, and the Lord's going to say, and people are going to say, thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. And, and people are going to say, when did I do that? Well, when you did it for the least of my brethren, you did it for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So whatever you receive this year, from the Lord is going to be up to you. If things are going to be different, you have to make a decision. You ever heard the phrase like this? It says <clears throat> that to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result is a form of insanity. I'm just going to keep doing the same thing, but I want it to be different. No, you, if you want a difference, you have to make a difference. You know, it's not just I'm waiting on the Lord. Who's ever heard that? Hey, have you, um, what do you think about that? Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Five years later, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Ten years later, I'm just waiting on the Lord. 
And I don't know about you, but time is going by. It's ticking by. So I want to make sure that this year is profitable. I want to make sure that it counts for eternity. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The title of my message today is being steadfast in a shaky world. Being steadfast in a shaky world. How many know that this world that we live in is very shaky? I mean, it is, uh, you can't, without God, there's nothing that you can stake your life on. It is sinking sand. It, the, the things of this world just don't have that stability that we need in life. And so whatever we get in life is going to be a result of what we, what we get out of it is what we put into it. I remember when I went to Bible school, um, Pastor Kenneth Hagin Jr., he, um, he was there and he said, um, in fact, I still have it in my yearbook, and it said, why are you here? I mean, I was 18 years old and, and as green as could be. And I just turned 19. He said, why are you here? And uh, one of the things that he said all the time is, whatever you get out of school is going to be a, according to what you put into school. And so in life, whatever you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. I know it's a deep revelation today. And so one of the things that God wants us to be is consecrated. He wants us to be consecrated, to give our all. And at the end of the service today, we're going to receive communion. Just to, you know, to start out, uh, you know, giving our all to the Lord, partaking of the Lord's Supper. But be consecrated. I want you to look at um, 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3. Why, and so why is this so important? Because people bounce along and then this year will be no different than last year. And it's not, it's not about making New Year's resolutions. It's about a change of life, a lifestyle. How many know that what, what's going to be the big ads right now on TV? Gyms, exercise equipment, um, you know, Weight Watchers, <laughs> Keto. You know, it just, that's because right now everyone typically gains, they say, like seven pounds during the, the holidays. So it's going to take a month just to get the, the holidays off. And, um, and then go from there. But it's not just about uh, just a, a diet and then whew, I'm off of it. It's about a lifestyle change. You incorporate things into your life. Don't be so excited. But how many know that just, that's just in the natural? Well, in the spiritual, it's the same way. Look what, for, what uh, 2 Peter 3. He says in verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved seeing that you know these things before, all these things that he was talking about, about the end times, about um, the coming of the Lord. He says, since you know these things before, beware, lest you also, being led away with the arrow of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So we're talking about being steadfast in a shaky world. He says, beware, 
And lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, you fall from your own steadfastness. What does that mean? You have to watch the company you hang around. You can't just hang around people that are, are not going anywhere and expect to get to the place you want to go. Not that you're judging people, but you just have to realize, hey, I can't stay around gossip. I can't stay around fault-finding and complaining. You know, wives, you can't stay around other women that, that, that speak down on, their, on the husband. Men, you can't be around other guys that talk about uh, wives, you know, like, like a piece of trash or, or like anything like that. Why? Because that thing is going to rub off on you. You have to just say, excuse me, um, I, I got an appointment I got to take care of right now. And you can't just allow that to get into your, you know, even if you're believing for healing. You can't let, you know, Aunt Minnie and everyone else call you and tell you, well, you know, because sure enough, you make a stand. I'm going to believe God for this. Three people are going to call you on the phone. And they're going to ask you about something, you know. So he says, don't, don't be led away with the error of the wicked and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. So don't be moved by what others say. This year, don't be moved. Sometimes people get offended and they quit going to church. And so that, that's, what our, um, that's where our answer is. In, in the Lord and in church. I mean... For me, I mean, this is just me, you, you, and you have to make this determination. I mean, packs of wild horses couldn't keep me away from church. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would take, it would take a lot. It'd take the Lord taking me out of here and me going on to heaven. And so, keep your eyes on Jesus this this year. Why? Because He's never failed you. He's never failed us. So, what does this word steadfast mean? Being steadfast in a shaky world. Steadfast means this, resolutely firm and unwavering. Unwavering. Some other um, words that are similar to this are faithful, single-minded, unswerving, and unwavering. How many know that sounds like the Lord? He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be single-minded unswerving, unwavering, firm, and unwavering. <clears throat> Listen to what um, James chapter 1. Why? Because it's going to, to get the answers you need, you, you have to have a single focus in life. That I'm staying with this. Remember what Jesus told, um, how many remember Martha and Mary? Which one was it? Martha? She was encumbered about much serving. And Jesus commented about that. You know, Jesus didn't stop and say, Martha, yeah, you should be, you know, or didn't say, Mary, yeah, you should stop what you're doing and go help Martha in the kitchen. Because, you know, it's real important that we have, you know, a, a good menu, um, the, the food spread right. No, it said that, that she chose that good part. And, and Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Now, when, when the Lord calls your name twice, <laughs> then it's time to, to hit the deck. And st you start repenting on the way down. Martha, Martha. What he's, and said what? You're, you're, you're careful and worried about many things. 
But Mary, she's chosen that good part and said, one thing is needful. Sometimes you, all you need to know in life is what's the one thing right now. The one thing right now might be you taking care of your kids. The one thing might be you focusing on this area of your life. The one thing is you spending more time in prayer. The one, the one thing is you cutting off relationships that, that are not productive. The one thing is needful, and Mary chose that good part, and it shall not be taken away from her. <laughs> and so finding out what that one thing is in life can help us to, to, to be more steadfast. Notice what James says. If any, uh, James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that gives to all men liberally it upbraids not. And what's going to happen? It shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. See, that's the opposite of steadfast. Let him ask in faith. What does it mean? Let him ask on believing ground. Because when you go to prayer, you notice what um, uh, Matthew says is, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. You don't need to pray and then 10 minutes later start believing. You need to, when you pray, believe that you receive. Mark 11, 23 and 24. But let, let him ask in faith. So you need to already be on believing ground. And then you ask, and nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Of the Lord. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. So, what's that talking about? That's talking about somebody who is not steadfast. But if you're steadfast, what does that mean? I'm going to stay with it till I see the answer. I'm going to stay with it until I see the result of my prayer. But what happens a lot of times, people pray and they pray a good prayer and they believe they receive and they get the answers on the way. I believe many times. But then people dig it up and they say, well, I didn't much believe that was going to work anyway. Well, you know, um, it's taking too long, Lord. I just And so what people do is they dig up their seed, and, and what happens is that thing never comes to fruition. But if I'm going to be steadfast, I'm going to believe until the end. So we're to be steadfast, not wavering, not tossed to and fro. The book of Hebrews, chapter 3. You know, the, the Word of God is so amazing because sometimes you might think to yourself, oh, the Bible doesn't cover this subject or this subject, but it can be full, and, and even this subject here, about being steadfast. But listen in Hebrews, chapter 3. Verse 12. Take heed. There's that, that phrase again. Take heed, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it, it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. So he says that we're supposed to exhort one another daily. 
Encourage your brother in, in the Lord. Encourage your sister. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? You know, you, you might just talk to somebody and say, hey, how's it going? And people, you know, sometimes people can be real surfacy, right? Oh, man, praise God, hallelujah, got the victory. You know, <laughs> praise the Lord, we, you know, and then you ask them, okay, how's it really going? You know, and then they just drop their, their countenance, drop. Why? Because people go through things. Yeah. Amen. That's why you're supposed to encourage one another. Why? Because of this right here. He says, through the deceitfulness of sin. See, sin is deceitful and it is tricky. Yeah. Yeah. But the Bible says that, that sin is but just for a season. There's pleasure in sin, but it's just for a season. Yeah. But it says, we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence. You know, the word confidence is a faith word. It's a, it's, you can use that in just like the word faith. Why? Because when you have faith, you have confidence in God. So we got to hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. You know, sometimes people ask the question, um, is about once saved, always saved. Who's ever heard that phrase? And, you know, there's different schools of thought on that. But according to what the Bible says, you can lose your salvation. That's why you have to be steadfast in the end. But don't be afraid. If you're serving the Lord, if you want to obey Him, if you want to do what He's called you to do, if you want to live for Him, then it's not even talking to you. But there is a group of people, um, the Bible talks about in Hebrews 6, it talks about the the sin unto death. First John 5 talks about it in verse 16 as well. <clears throat> the sin unto death. What is that? That is the sin, uh, what we would call the unpardonable sin. It's a sin that's committed by a mature believer. And the Bible gives you five different um, uh, steps to that. You know, they have to be enlightened. They have to taste the heavenly gift, which is being born again. Uh, it talks about them growing in the Word of God. It talks about gifts of the Spirit being in their life. At that point, if people turn away from the Lord, there's, there's no more sacrifice for them. And here's the thing. It's not that God won't forgive them if they turn back to Him. When it says that there's no more repentance, you can't get them to repent. They've gone to a place where, where they don't want the Lord anymore. But that's another subject. <laughs> but that's why we have to be steadfast. If you see somebody that's going the wrong direction... You know, what, what do you do? You alert them, say, hey, bro, um, you know, I'm, see, I'm seeing this right here. And, uh, you know, just like my boys, they, they're used to saying the word bro, and they call me bro sometimes. And so, yeah, <laughs> it's like, I'm not your bro. I'm your dad. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, you have, to take, you have to tell people, hey, hey bro, go, you know, what's, what, what's happening with you? We had not seen you in a while. Amen. And encourage one another. And that's being steadfast. Uh, over in the, uh, just a couple chapters over in, in chapter 10. Because I believe if you have this resolve in your spirit today, then no matter what comes against you, you'll stay true. You'll stay true and say, God, I don't care. I don't care. You know, the Bible talks about 
even if my mom, my mother forsakes me, then the Lord will take me up. You know, if your mom and dad think you're nuts, you know, if your family thinks you, you've stepped off the, the wrong end of the pool, you know, if people think that, hey, they've whatever, and you just say, Lord, you know, send a labor across the path, minister to them, but you can't let that bother you. You have to just keep following the Lord. Hebrews 10, listen to this here. In verse 21, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. People say, well, you don't know what I did. Well, you don't know how powerful the blood is. Why? Because because of that, my heart can be sprinkled from an evil conscience. What does that mean? That I have no more conscience of sin, and I'm washed. I'm either forgiven or I'm not. I'm either washed or I'm not. Why? Because what does the devil want to do? He's called the accuser of the brethren. Well, don't you remember what you did? You stole that cookie when you were four years old. You know, he'll go back to the womb. He'll go back to like before you even were a thought. Well, don't, you know, your grandparents did this. You know, it's like that's the way the enemy is. <laughs> but he says, having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and your body washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession, or another word for that is confession, the word we speak. Let us hold fast to the confession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And the next few verses are what I was talking about, about the sin and the death. But notice what he says. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. What's that mean? I'm going to be steadfast about me standing on God's word. I'm going to be steadfast about proclaiming God's word over my life. I don't care what it looks like. That's when you have to proclaim it even more. That's when you have to be more steadfast than ever. God said this. The Lord said he will never leave me nor forsake me. Well, I sure feel alone today. Well, you know. Either God's word is true or it's not. Don't ask your feelings how you feel. <laughs> News alert, don't ask your feelings. And don't just ask your neighbor, because I might tell you something that's not right. So he says, hold fast the profession of our faith. He's, why? Because he is faithful, that promise. Because God's faithful, then I'm going to be steadfast. Over in uh, 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. Notice we're not just giving you an isolated text. We're going to giving you scriptures. Scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 5. Notice this. Verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Remember when, when the Bible talks about Job and how Job, it said, appeared before the Lord and, uh, and Satan? And he said, where, where, where have you been? He said, 
going to and fro in the earth. Well, nothing has changed. The enemy is going to and fro, seeking whom he may. I love that word, may. What does that mean? In my life, he may not. And that's not up to God, that's up to me. That's up to me to say, Satan, I have authority of you, and you will not destroy my life. You will not destroy my body with sickness and disease. You will not destroy my finances. Why? Because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Seeking, that's what he's doing. Notice what it says in verse 9. So call all the, the neighbors around to pray for you. Since he's going to see seeking who may, de, may devour, go call the prayer hotline, knowing that everyone else has. No, he says he's, he's going about as a, war, a roaring lion, lion, whom resist half-heartedly. Just when you feel like it. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? It's like um, Smith Wigglesworth gives this story when, as an English preacher, he said he was on a bus. And um, there was this lady that um, she had this little dog that was following her and, you know, and her, her little puppy. Little dog and said, um, so the lady said, okay, okay, honey, you got to go back. You got to, you know, I got to get on the bus now. And the dog just, you know, kept doing what it was doing. Oh, no, honey, you got to go back and get on the bus. I'm, I'm getting on the bus. You got to go back home. And the dog just sat there. He, he said, get! Like that. Put her foot down. That dog took off. Wigglesworth is shout out loud. That's how you have to do the devil. Why? You do all that little honey business and that little devil, you leave me alone. And, I, you know, I'll leave you alone and you leave me alone. And you know he'll say? Okay, but you, as soon as you turn around, he'll brat you in the face. Why? Because you can't make, make, you can't make a deal with the enemy, but you have to resist him steadfast. Amen. Now, it says in the faith. Other translations say this, in your faith. It doesn't matter what, what kind of faith your pastor has, what kind of faith you have. Yeah. Why? Because you may not be able to reach me at 3 in the morning. You may or you may not. And so you need, you need to be able to have uh, faith people you can call, but you need to resist them in your faith. Say that. I can resist the enemy according to my faith. Hallelujah. So we're talking about being steadfast. Colossians, listen to Colossians 2 in verse 5. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am... I am with you in the spirit. So, you know, of course, Paul, he prayed for these people. So he, um, he prayed constantly for these people. And so that's why he would say, I'm with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So what, what did the Colossians, the, the church at Colossae, they were steadfast. What does that mean? They kept, they kept, Paul established many churches and then he would come back and it, it would say that he strengthened those churches. And so, um, 
but you know what they did is they kept pursuing after God. You know, when you look over in Acts chapter 17, I believe, it talks about the, the, the church at Berea. It said they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So just don't take my word for it. Look in the book. No matter what minister you listen to, no matter how good they, you, you know, think they are, you esteem them, check it out with the Scriptures. Amen. Don't just take anyone's word for it. Because why? Because every person is human. But look in the Scriptures. Hallelujah. And I want to give you just a couple of examples here and just see it in the Bible. I want you to look here at um, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And this is such a, a marvelous picture of being steadfast. You know, a lot of times... If people get told no, then that's it. They're done and, and, you know. But just because you're told no once doesn't mean that it's final. Even like, you know, if you're looking for a job. That doesn't mean it's over with. But look at this here. Math, I mean Luke. In chapter, Luke 18. Verse 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. I think of being steadfast. But look at here, he says, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, avenge me of my adversary. She's saying, okay, help me out here. Give, give me some... Um, Help. And he would not for a while. <laughs> so he's like, you know what? I'm not going to help this woman out. But afterwards, he said within himself, though I fear not God, I don't care about the Lord. And I don't regard men. I don't care about people either. Sounds like today, right? Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she weary me. Why? Because she kept coming back. And he said, you know, though I don't care about God, and I, don't, I sure don't care about people, if I don't do something, this woman's going to drive me crazy. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I'll tell you that he will avenge them speedily. What does that mean? God's going to answer us. He's, he's, he's watching out and answers our prayers. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. So what does this, late, this woman represent? A steadfastness. You know, the Bible talks in another chapter about um, what we call the prayer of importunity. Now, we don't use that word importunity. At least I don't. Maybe you do. But importunity just means a shameless boldness. And we see in this story, and we're not going to turn to it, but what happens is, if you remember, a man comes there and um, knocks on his friend's door at midnight. He says, hey, Boudreaux, I got some, I got some family coming over. 
and I need some bread. He's like, go back to, you know, he's like, go. Hey, Boudreaux. That's a good Louisiana name. Boudreaux. I need some bread. And it says, though he will not because he's his friend, like, he, it wasn't just enough for him being a friend that he got up out of bed. You know, especially in those days, you know, you work in the field, you work outside, at, you know, you're up at um, sunrise, and when the sun sets, you know, you're pretty much going to bed before too long. So they've been in the bed for hours, probably in a deep sleep. They hear this knocking on the, on the door, and it says, though he would not give it to him because he's his friend. Just being your friend was not enough <laughs> to get him out of the bed. But he said, because of his shameless boldness. Because of his boldness, what does the Bible say we're supposed to do? Come boldly to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in a time of need. What does that mean? I'm not just supposed to say, oh, Father, I'm so unworthy. And Lord, if you could just give me a crumb. Well, you know, even if you had a crumb, that would, take, that would heal you. Oh, God, I'm just so... I mean, what if your kids did that? I'm just so unworthy, Dad. Please, can I just have a, the popsicle stick? Can I just... I don't even want the popsicle. I just want the stick. Dad, I don't even want, I don't even want the slushy. I just want to look at the cup. I just... I want the straw after it was dipped in the, in, the, in the grape drink. You would think, boy, quit. Well, how much more with us that we're supposed to come boldly to the throne of grace, even if we've missed it? Because, see, that's when you need boldness more. Say, Father, I've sinned. You know, that, sometimes you have to say that. You have to say, Father, I've sinned, and, and Lord, forgive me. Lord, I've been stupid, and, and oh, God, forgive me and wash me and cleanse me. And Lord, you said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and you're just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And as you, as you begin to say that word, boldness comes up on the inside and faith rises up. And, and, and Lord, I thank you that I'm washed and I'm cleansed and I'm, sanct, you know, I'm, I'm set apart, I'm sanctified in Jesus' name. And so then when the devil comes as the accuser of the brethren, what does he say? You're not forgiven. Then you have to say, no, I confess that to God. I, can, I, I, I spoke out now, and I know that I'm washed and I'm cleansed. And I know he's faithful. He's not unfaithful. He's just. He's righteous. And if I did that, and then the enemy comes again. Yeah, but, but you remember such and such. I confess that to the Father God. I forgave him, and I release him right now in Jesus' name. And, and let me give you this. When the enemy starts telling you about your uh, past, just start reminding him about his future. Just start saying, you know, devil, you, you want to talk about my problems? My problems aren't nothing compared to your problems. <laughs> You're losing people daily. People are being born again and coming out of your kingdom into the kingdom of God. What are you going to do? Because, you know, that's one of his favorite lines, too. What are you going to do? You can just say, what are you going to do? You're losing people every day. People are coming out and they're learning about their rights and privileges in Christ. What are you going to do? And you know you can. And then it, it gets worse for him. You know, I read in the Bible where an angel is going to come down and and with a chain and throw you in the pit 
and shut you up. What are you going to do? See, he don't like hearing about that stuff. And he starts telling me about my past. I just say, you know what? You're going to be burning in a lake of fire. I'm going to be enjoying my heart's desire. I'm going to be worshiping the king of kings. What are you going to do about that? Amen. He don't like hearing that. And so I want you to look over at Matthew 15. I want to show you this example as well. Matthew chapter 15. Steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because if you're steadfast and you're not shaken, no one else is going to shake you. Look at Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. <laughs> he was just like that unjust judge. I better do something. This lady is... is bothering me so the disciples did the same thing send her away she cries after us but he answered and said i am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of israel then came she and worshiped him saying lord help me <clears throat> now she's pretty steadfast but he answered and said it is not meat it's not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs now, for a lot of people, that, was, that would be the, the last straw right there. Hey, preacher, you calling me a dog? Well, I see how it is around here. You're supposed to come to church and get help, and you can't even get help around here. Uh, you know, you can just imagine the stories, the Bismarck Tribune. I mean, you would see the Dickinson Press once a week. You'd see that. You know, preacher calls woman dog. But you know what? She would have left without too. She had to swallow her pride and humble herself. Notice what. And she said, truth, Lord. Everyone say, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. So what happens if the Lord calls you a dog? What do you say? Bow wow. <laughs> So with the Lord called, you just say, truth, Lord. And notice this. Jesus answered and said, O woman, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. That very hour. So as a believer, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to me this year? How do I remain steadfast? And I, be, I believe this answers a lot for a lot of different people. Number one, your Bible reading. Reading your Bible. Make the Bible your, your focus this year. Uh, you know, we talked about Nehemiah 8 um, a lot the last couple of weeks. And what happened is, is Nehemiah led the people of God back to God. And they read the Bible for hours. Now, you think we have a long service. We don't have long services. They read the Bible for hours. And then they took several hours to explain it. 
And when they saw this, they saw how, how far they had fallen from God. It said they were mournful. And, and that's when Nehemiah said, this is a day of celebration. Don't sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so um, what did they do? They put the word of God first place. Putting God's word first. Daily reading of the Bible. You know, uh, Timothy talks about this. Give yourselves to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So how am I going to grow this year? How am I going to be steadfast? Well, number one, plant yourself in the word of God. And then number two, in prayer. Establish a life of prayer. Talk to the Lord on a daily basis. Colossians 4, 2 says this. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Uh, Luke 18, 1 that we read a few moments ago. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You know, we're to pray, we're to pray always, we're not to faint and lose heart. That doesn't mean that I don't eat, that doesn't mean I don't sleep and, and breathe, but it just means, what does that mean? A lifestyle of prayer. The Bible says this, the hand of the diligent shall be made rich. The Bible also says this, be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. How are you going to inherit promise, the promises of God this year? By not quitting, but by having a steadfast faith. Steadfast. Hallelujah. And so what do you have to do? You have to be persistent and just you know what, I'm going to, you know, write, the Bible says write the vision, right? You might need to write it down. I'm doing this this year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to keep my commitment to the Lord. I'm going to church. You know, isn't it amazing how, how the devil operates like that? He'll, he'll, he'll have your, your, your fourth cousin that lost removed call you that you hadn't heard for you haven't heard from, you might need to edit that out. You haven't heard from in, in 20 years, and they want to call right when it's time to go to church. The devil knows when you need something. And I don't know about you, but who's ever done this? And I think I'm going to stay home today. And then you, you call and talk to one of the, your, your friends that went to church and say, Oh, man, today was such an awesome service. It was like the best service we had in a year, you know, whatever. And, and you think, Oh, man, I knew I should have been there. And, uh, but you just have to have that steadfastness and say, I'm going to be in church this year. I'm going to put the, the things of God first place in my life. I'm going to go to revival. I'm going to be in the meetings. I'm, I'm going to be, whenever the doors are open, I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to pray like I never have. I'm going to give like I never have. I'm going to do everything that God's put in my heart to do this year. Why? Because of a steadfastness and if you do that, what's going to happen? You will receive from the Lord. You will receive a reward. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, today for, Lord, a steadfast faith in the heart of your people today. Lord, I thank you that we purpose in our heart today, Lord, that we would be steadfast, unmovable. Lord, not shaken by the things of this world. We know this world is shaky ground, but Lord, we purpose that we're going to be like you. And we know, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever.
Hallelujah.